This is the Pro Wrestling Report, the longest-running pro wrestling news program in the world, with your hosts, David Hero and Damian Nelson. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pro Wrestling Report, primetime live for Wednesday, October 18, 2017. Thank you for joining us here live on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us wherever you are around the world. And thank you for being a part of the Pro Wrestling Report family. We've got a lot to talk about this week, ladies and gentlemen. A lot going on in the world of professional wrestling. Of course, WWE TLC is tomorrow night. Not tomorrow. What am I thinking? It's That's Impact. It's uh, Sunday night on the WWE Network. We'll talk about those big matchups from that show and also talk about the goings-on in professional wrestling from the week. I'm joined here live tonight by Matthew Thomas. Matthew, how the heck are you out in Denver? I'm doing very good, but I'm a little bit disappointed. You got my hopes up thinking there was a Thursday night pay-per-view. I was kind of excited for a while. <laughs> you know what? Maybe there should be. <laughs> maybe maybe there should maybe we could, you know, this you know, that actually reminds me that we haven't seen and maybe they weren't as uh I guess as lucrative as maybe WWE thought they might be, but those those WWE Network special events that they had done, I think they did one from Canada and they did one from Madison Square Garden. Those are sort of cool. I wonder why uh, they didn't take, if you will. You think maybe they didn't get enough viewers? Because obviously, once you add the expense of TV, um, even though it was on a, you know, it was on a uh, a lesser scale, it still gets very expensive. To produce those events, yeah, and they even did one. I believe it was from Japan. That was the the card that Brock Lesnar wrestled on uh, back a couple ah. of years ago. So, yeah, those were I enjoyed them, but they always felt a little bit funny because it was to a certain extent kind of a televised house show. So, I think at least with me, you had the feel that okay, this is cool, this is interesting. But the likelihood of anything major happening, you know, is not that high because it's still not being booked like a pay-per-view. So outside of the, the one where Lesnar wrestled and it was kind of a novelty to see him in action, I, I think that they just – they were this kind of uh, middle ground of pay-per-view slash house show that just kind of left uh, people feeling a little confused. Yeah, and I think that was Brock Lesnar versus Big Show on that uh, Japan show that you mentioned um, that we saw. Folks, want to remind all of you as you uh, join us here in this conversation, of course, we are taking your live phone calls. Uh, that number is 877-317-9772. Again, that's 877-317-9772. Uh, also, you can interact with us as the show goes on here and always on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh by following at PWR Show, at PWR Show on all those uh, channels. Uh, obviously, most engagement coming through Twitter, uh, where I am also there individually, along with all the other broadcast uh, partners of the Pro Wrestling Report, at Damian Nelson, that's D-A-M-E-O-N-N-E-L-S-O-N, and, of course, at The Real M. Thomas. I believe is your Twitter name, Matthew. You are correct. My Twitter, uh, my Twitter name, Twitter handle, is that the proper title for it? Why has it always been called a handle? That's a very, very good question. Um, you know, we'll have to do some research and, and get back to the, the audience with the results of that next week. I think that that could be a very interesting little project. <laughs> I know it was, it was, you know, it's from the trucker radio, uh, you know, old CB radio uh, uh, language, I guess you can call it. Uh, but uh, anyways, we digress. Let's talk about some wrestling. Let's talk about what has happened in the week of professional wrestling. And this past Monday night from WWE on Raw, we saw the full delivery and the full re-engagement of The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. One thing I want to ask you, Matthew, is did Roman Reigns look different Monday night to you? Yes, he did. He looked different in the aspect of he looked like a star to me. And the the treatment, I've been as down as anybody on the Roman Reigns single push, but at least to my eyes, there's just something different seeing him in the dynamic of the Shield. It's funny, as much time has passed since we've had these three guys together as that unit, uh, to me, it just it all comes back together. These guys to me, come off exactly the way that, that I remember them. And, and I think at least with me, it's it's just one week into it helping the, the Reigns cause that. 
Yeah, I, I, and we talked about that Meathead and I did last week of there's clearly one star in that group. Well, let me rephrase that. They're all stars, but there's one standout star in that group, and that is Roman Reigns. And it was interesting in his matchup with uh, Braun Strowman in the cage on Monday night. There were still a level of booze and disagreement from the audience, but not to the level prior to the reformation of the Shield. So ultimately, I think as we speculated on this program before, this is going to be a win-win for WWE and for Roman Reigns, and more importantly, for the fans overall. But physically, it felt as if Roman Reigns, I don't know if his flak jacket was different or something was just different looking about Roman Reigns. I don't want to get superficial here, but um, just just struck me as odd this past Monday night. But be that as it may, it was indeed an opportunity for the team led by The Miz, which already includes, of course, um, Cesaro, Sheamus, and Braun Strowman, to add a fifth man, if you will, and uh, based on the results of that cage match between Strowman and Reigns on Monday. And, uh, well, that cage match was surprisingly interesting because, obviously, you've got so many other people involved, and the cage stipulation was there to keep the others out. But we didn't think, I don't think anybody thought, that uh, it was going to be who we did see who would not only interfere in the cage match in a unique way, but would also be the fifth man going up against the three-man team of the Shield Sunday at TLC. And that was after an 11-month absence. Kane making his return. The Big Red Machine making his return, coming up through the apron, through the bottom of the apron, from the depths of hell, as they would love us to believe. And he now is back in WWE, just two months away from his mayoral race uh, election down in uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, wherever it is. And uh, Kane is now the fifth man. Here is what I don't get, Matthew. So the Shield is, you know, this dominant force. They were great. They were super. But it's three men of the Shield versus five men. And two of those men are monsters in Kane and Braun Strowman. The Miz is no slouch. Cesaro and Sheamus are no slouches, former tag team champions. Why stack the deck so much against the Shield? And does this make the outcome of what the match will be on Sunday somewhat epic? It feels very, very strange. And I could get it. And I like the fact, because my concern, when it looked like the Shield was going to come back together... At the time, it was The Miz and Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, and that just seemed like a little bit nothing against uh, the other two guys, Axel and, and Bo Dallas, but it just seemed like a little anticlimactic, a little bit of a waste that you were going to use the shield to kind of take down that stable. And now we've got the complete opposite. We've got uh, really five very, very formidable guys, two of which are monsters. And my concern and what really blows my mind with all of this is Strowman has been booked so, so strong for so long. I mean, prior to this, I could have seen them putting the shield up against Strowman because he's just by himself, because he's just been that big of a monster. So when you've got, you know, this stacked of a deck, ah, man, it, it's a couple ways this can go down. And if the shield does take all these guys down, what does it say about everyone, you know, in, in that group? So, Again, you have these guys going over the shield. Yeah, it's five on three, but it's a little bit, again, a little bit anticlimactic. The shield get back together only to lose. So this is going to be a very, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to. I'm curious to see how the booking is on this match now. Could see a scenario where, you know, maybe the Shield takes out one or two guys extremely early with some high spots and makes it a little bit more uh, of an even match there. But I know you and Meathead discussed last week this Shield reunion as an avenue to eventually turn reins, which I think is where they're ultimately going, uh, you know, going here. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's a possibility that we get it as early as this Sunday, just seeing how this has been booked already? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't I don't you got to think about what's the end. Where are we going with this? What happens next? We've got the Survivor Series after TLC and then we've got, you know, whatever's happening in December from a pay-per-view standpoint and then the Royal Rumble. And those are all very important events, of course, specifically the Royal Rumble. So what what is going to happen there? Where where does Reigns and where does everybody else fall as it pertains to the Royal Rumble, which of course has implications for WrestleMania? 
So if Brock Lesnar's busy at the Survivor Series, which we'll talk about later, and then you've got him still as champion going into the Royal Rumble, who's going to face Brock Lesnar at that event? Because you've got to imagine they're going to want to have him have a match. And who is going to then challenge whoever wins that match? Probably Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And there are discussions that it could be Roman Reigns. It could be Braun Strowman. It's good that there are all these directions they can be going in, but I think they can only milk this shield thing for so long. And I don't know what the tolerance is of the fans for the reuniting of the shield. It's cool. It's nostalgic now. They're in a big matchup. It's all happened really, really fast. But perhaps it is, if not on Sunday at TLC, perhaps it is at the Royal Rumble where they have to go into business for themselves. But that's not as spectacular because you can sort of explain it away because everybody indeed has to go in business for themselves at the Royal Rumble. So I don't know. Maybe they just dissolve. Maybe Ambrose turns. Maybe he's the man who caused for the end of the shield. And he might be the one who benefits most out of it. But I don't know. And that's a good thing that I don't know. I think what I want to see, I want to enjoy the shield thing now. I want to enjoy the match on Sunday. And then I'm not sure I care. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's see where it goes. I'm going to enjoy the ride. Uh, and anything can happen with any one of the three of them. And I think that's great. But if they don't come out of this, whenever they come out of it, with Roman Reigns continuing to be a main event star, which I don't think is at risk, Seth Rollins becoming a number one star again, and Dean Ambrose becoming at least a high-level, mid-card, low-level main event star, then all of it would have been just for a cheap network pop. And what's so great about this is that we are sitting here scratching our heads, not knowing where they're going with this. This, to me, is booking at its best. We've got a five-on-three handicap match on Sunday with the reunited Shield, and there's about a million different ways it can go. What we'll get to in a little while with what happened on SmackDown last night, there's a million different ways that can go. So this to me is booking at its best. And it's such uh, it's such a nice change from, say, where we were 10 years ago when we had John Cena versus Randy Orton for the 17th pay-per-view in a row. Yeah, right. Exactly. And speaking of Randy Orton, my gosh, I, I, we joked last week about him and Nakamura becoming a tag team. <laughs> they, tag, they tagged again this past Tuesday on SmackDown. When they were leaving after the matchup, I was sort of hoping Randy would RKO him because <laughs> they had that awkward pause on the ramp uh, before they left. And, uh, and no, that didn't happen. But anyways, let's go back to let's put the shield on the shelf for a few minutes and go back to the actual return of Kane to WWE. Um, I'm not sure anyone missed him, and that's not a knock on him, but it was damn good to see him back, especially since you, if you were on Twitter at all during Raw on Monday, you saw all of the, uh, not all of the, but a good number of the uh, uh, wrestling journalists, quote-unquote, out there uh, trying to do an uh, I told you so moment by saying it was going to be Samoa Joe, who, by the way, I hadn't thought about, so I appreciate the reminder. It was not Samoa Joe, and that was a fantastic thing, not to prove them wrong, but the fact that we were all surprised by the return of Kane. I have always been a fan of Kane. I think that Kane uh, doesn't appear to have been there for the 20 years that he's been there because it's been that long. It's been 20-plus years, actually. But Kane being back was a pleasant surprise for me. I'm intrigued by what goes down. I like him. I like him in the matchup. But what did you think of Kane's return this past Monday on Raw? Kane is interesting in the fact that you don't picture him being there 20 years. And I think this is largely kind of the same treatment that Goldust has. You know, Goldust still has the same makeup, the same setup that he did 20 years ago. Kane, you know, with the mask, with the suit, you don't necessarily see Kane or see Goldust and think, wow, that's a 20-year veteran right there. I think a lot of people, your mind immediately goes back to the character because it's so wrapped up in just the visual with what you have there. And of course, with Kane, you've got the visual plus the special effects. So when it's unexpected, when he's coming through the ring, when there's the pyro, when there's the fire, it, that adds something special to it. So I think it definitely worked for the show. Um, I, I don't think a Kane run can necessarily be uh, very long. I think Kane is best used in small doses right now to surprise you, to get business done, and then um, you know to kind of go back down for a little while and then return just so that special effect doesn't get 
Warren Ives. So I liked it. I don't necessarily see him being a mainstay on the Raw brand past, uh, you know, the next several months. But very interesting timing. I mean, this is prime election season. Shouldn't he be going door to door in Tennessee to try to, to, to scurry up votes for, for the election? <laughs> Seeming, seemingly so. Uh, but maybe he's got that. Uh, maybe he's got some help from uh, an outside entity. Very, very. Because that's a, that, that's a yeah, thing nowadays. Very, very possible. Or, you know, Vince is saying, hey, you know, you've been here for so long. We're going to bring you back in just as election season is, is you know, upon, uh, among us and kind of from a national level let you introduce, you know, America to the libertarian platform. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you know what? Here's what I thought about uh, as you were talking there. And David Hero and I have talked about this often. And it's it's difficult to see at times. But this is another case, Kane coming back to WWE on Monday. This is another case of WWE telling us exactly what they were going to do before they did it. And the answer and the, 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 the reason being right in front of us. They were doing a lot of hype and propaganda over Kane's 20-year anniversary in WWE a couple of weeks ago. On social media on on their website, so they basically told us Kane's coming back without telling us Kane was coming back. And of course, in hindsight, you could see that now. But there are all these cases, or the frequently these cases, where the answer is right in front of us, yet we don't see it. Yeah, and they they tease the uh, you know the. Last one that comes back to mind is the Hardy return around WrestleMania. There was a lot of stuff on the website where they were kind of teasing uh, the Hardy return as well, too. So, yeah, if you're if you're up for playing uh, detective and sleuth and, you know, snoop around their social media enough, you can kind of more often than not get a good idea what's coming down the pipe. Yeah. Well, we'll see how long Kane's run is this run in WWE. Um, you know, I, I've got to imagine, I wonder if, you know, Kane's going to be uh, – you know, singing his swan song over the next few months in wrestling. Um, I think Kane has a job with WWE for as long as he wants it, even in a backstage capacity. But picture it, New Orleans, 2019, 18 rather. And while they haven't said it and they really haven't fully publicly acknowledged The Undertaker's retirement, one's got to imagine that The Undertaker is going to go into the Hall of Fame next year, and he's going to do so in the city where he first lost his WrestleMania streak. And that was in New Orleans because he, when he lost to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30. What if Kane and The Undertaker, the Brothers of Destruction, the, as Vince McMahon called them at one time, the putrid pussies. <laughs> <laughs> what if they go into the Hall of Fame together? That That's a main event right there. Oh, absolutely. No, that's that's your Hall of Fame class right there. No need to induct anybody else. Just uh, make it all about those two guys, and you've got your you've got your ticket sold already. Now that would that would certainly be a uh, you know a very very respectable uh, main event Hall of Fame class. Yeah. We'll see what happens in New Orleans. By the way, uh, we are very close to announcing the details of Sweet and Sexy, which is returning for WrestleMania in New Orleans uh, next year on April 8th. Uh, we are going to be reaching out to all of our previous suite owners first and giving them the opportunity to uh, purchase an opportunity to join us in the suite for WrestleMania at the Superdome. And then we will be uh, making some public announcements in the next few days here as to how you can watch WrestleMania in style. Uh, the suite experience with the Pro Wrestling Report at WrestleMania is uh, a, a long tradition now. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do it last year because Camping World Stadium simply didn't offer the option to have a suite. So our streak was broken <laughs> last year at WrestleMania, but we're back and we'll have details on how you can join us for Sweet and Sexy in New Orleans and uh, details on the Shenanigans Party hosted by Kevin Nash also also will be available in the coming weeks. Uh, last year's event sold out, Dallas sold out, San Jose sold out, and it has become the party event of the WrestleMania weekend. And it's happening in New Orleans, Matthew. And uh, we, we are trying to – here's the challenge. So we're trying to figure out – we're trying to confirm the venue right now. But the question is, on Bourbon Street or not on Bourbon Street? Because there's so much fun already happening on Bourbon Street. And the place I want, to be honest with you, is the Cat's Meow. And I can't work that deal out yet because they have – it would be perfect, uh, which was actually you know, sort of my headquarters last time WrestleMania was in, in, or, in uh, New Orleans where I got, to, I got to sing on the same stage in the same night as Lillian Garcia and Pat Patterson. 
That is elite company right there. Now, the only thing that's disappointing was it wasn't a, a trio. I mean, if it was the three of you guys together, you know, going back and forth, I mean, that, that would be that'd be like the voices of angels. <laughs> well put. <laughs> well, details on shenanigans, sweet and sexy, all of that coming up in the next few weeks uh, here on Primetime. We are live Wednesday night, uh, October 18, 2018, uh, 17. Why do I even bother it's, with it, the dates? Because I can never get just, them right. I can never get it's them right. Octo- it's October 2017. That's that's good enough. Damian Nelson here along with Matthew Thomas. Thank you for joining us wherever you are all over the world. Thank you for interacting with us on social media at PWR Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Matthew, on Tuesday night on SmackDown, we saw the rumors become reality as the WWE champion Jinder Mahal, who was in India promoting uh, WWE last week, came back and made a challenge for the Survivor Series. And that challenge was Jinder Mahal, the champion on SmackDown, wants the Universal Champion on Raw, Brock Lesnar, the Beast. He wants him in a match at Survivor Series. And while we don't have Brock's answer yet, we'll get that on Monday on Raw. A lot of people are uh, disappointed in the prospects of this matchup. What, what, what say you, Matthew, on a Brock Lesnar, Jinder Mahal, champion versus champion, non-title matchup at the Survivor Series? I really have no interest in it. I think the outcome is pretty much foregone. I don't think there's really anyone that is going to think that uh, Mahal has a chance here. And if he does, if he does win by some type of shenanigans, I, I think that's that's not a good thing. People aren't going to buy that. So uh, this, is, uh, this is very odd, again, especially non-title. My first thought when I saw this was, okay, are they sick of two belts? Are they doing something to try to consolidate uh, both titles here? And then, of course, we had AJ Styles uh, run in there. So where does he figure in the mix? Uh, Is it a a triple threat type of deal? Uh, Which I think would be a mistake because I think AJ versus Brock needs to be saved to be its own thing. I think that is a handful of money matches that WWE still has up their sleeve. And I hope we get that by itself so you can build up to it not in the confines of, of a triple threat. Again, this struck me by surprise, and uh, it's one of those deals where I just, I'll just i have to tune in to see what's going to happen here. But if that's what it is, just as it seems right now, those two guys, non-title, I, I just I think it's going to fall flat. You know what? Uh, I, 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 I tend to view it a bit differently. Jinder Mahal has been rock solid, right? Everything he said on Tuesday is right. He's beat everybody. Now, I like the AJ Styles interruption because that was a valid point. But Jinder Mahal has credibility in the ring. I mean, whether you like him or not, you can't dispute the fact that he keeps winning. He beat Randy Orton several times. He beat Nakamura, you know, the fans' darling. What is next for him? And this is a logical story, I think for him to challenge the universal champion. However, one has to assume, as you said, it might the outcome might be a foregone conclusion. One has to assume that Brock Lesnar is going to dominate and destroy Jinder Mahal. But what if he doesn't? What if Jinder Mahal gets a win over Brock Lesnar in a non-title matchup where neither champion loses anything because they don't have the risk of losing the championship? Is that too risky? And if... If, if so, if they were to do it, what does that do to both Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar if Jinder somehow or another gets a win? It absolutely makes gender and more so than any any victory he's had thus far. I mean, the, the positive effects on gender are it's it's monumental with Lesnar. I think he is one of those handful of guys that. Win or lose, it's probably not going to affect him that much. Just remember Lesnar back prior to him ending the streak. Lesnar wasn't winning all that much. He would be brought in as a special attraction, but the series of matches with Cena and Punk and uh, Triple H, Lesnar lost a bunch, and he really got that rub when he broke the streak, and that rub really hasn't been given to, to anyone else. You know, you had the little storyline with Goldberg, but I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten that at this point. So Lesnar's one of those guys that they have protected the character enough that 
a loss here. I, I don't think really affects Lesnar's stock all that much. So you could do it. I just I think the problem in the disconnect is the believability. Are people going to buy it at that point? Do you cross a line at some point where you have, okay, with gender, this guy mid-car, not winning, they shoot him to the moon, put the title on him. Okay, I can buy that. I can buy a win over Orton. I can buy a win over Nakamura. But now you're telling me that he's going to somehow sneak a win over Lesnar. I don't think the risk of Lesnar's stock dropping is that high, but – I think the concern here that needs to be looked at from a booking standpoint is does the audience just buy it or is that the line where they can't suspend their disbelief any longer? You know, I, I think that's all valid. I, I think that there could be some shenanigans there here, though, that would allow for or afford the opportunity for uh, gender to get the win. Because he's got the Singh brothers. And unless this match becomes a gimmick matchup, I think there's a chance Jinder could win on a fluke. And there it is, as you said, that credibility. Jinder could go all the way to WrestleMania as champion. And I would not have ever thought that that was going to happen. David Hero said it many a time on this show that he thought that was a possibility. But now that the reality is in front of us, I'm a little surprised. And I think Jinder needs that extra bump. I'm, I'm also a little confused as to why they are putting so much stock in Jinder Mahal, because I think it's damaged the SmackDown brand a little bit. But if he can come back and say that he got a win over Brock Lesnar at the Survivor Series, no one can then question him at all. Yeah, and you've got to give WWE credit for Jinder and then also, too, to a certain extent now, even though we're two weeks into it uh, with Sami Zayn, they're directly, yeah. they're directly trying. Uh, uh, yeah, Matthew, you didn't say it right. It's the endorsed. Oh, the Sami endorsed Zane. Sami Zayn. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. They're going out of their way to deliberately try to make stars and involve them in main event storylines. And WWE, they've got a habit of you've got your top guys, you've got your mid card guys, and a lot of people just spend years making lateral moves. But this year, 2017, WWE has gone out of their way, whether you're expecting it or not, whether you've been conditioned to think that this guy is a top main event player. We don't care. We're going to do this whether you like it or not. That's what they've done with gender. That's what they're doing with Sami Zayn to a certain extent now. And I think that that is a it's an approach that you've got to take it at certain points to keep things interesting and to, you know, move some guys up the card. And I feel like they've done it with both of these guys recently. And it's one of those deals where, OK, it might be a little bit harder to take. You're not expecting it at first, but you got to give them credit for you know, going out of their way to move some guys up the card in big ways. Yeah, and they're doing it with gender. It's a slow burn. And uh, like I said, I think the Royal Rumble is going to be quite pivotal, pivotal for WWE because they've got a lot to do. Uh, they've got a lot to sell us and they've got a lot to uh, not explain, but a lot to, to build going into WrestleMania. And uh, they've got to, I don't know what the WrestleMania card looks like, to be honest with you. I can't, I can't pick right now in October any feuds that I see are going to take us all the way to WrestleMania or any pairings even. There's been talk of Reigns and Lesnar, of course. So, you know, what do you do with AJ Styles? What do you do with Kevin Owens? What do you do with Sami Zayn? What do you do with everybody else? I don't know because I don't see a program that anybody's in now that can carry us for the next several months. Thus, again, the importance of the Royal Rumble comes into play. At and I think we've got to step back a little bit and look at some of the reason for this unpredictability is the new subscription model. They're going to trying to sell monthly subscriptions on the network. So you don't have as many throwaway pay-per-view cards as you did several years ago. We got Reigns and Cena, the last pay-per-view. We're getting the Shield reunion uh, at this pay-per-view, none of which have been the big four. So what they're doing, it doesn't seem like they're keeping as much up their sleeve because they're trying to keep people involved on a monthly basis. So I think what that's done, it's given you more big time matches at some of these smaller pay-per-views. 
otherwise that you know would have been saved for a WrestleMania. So I think that that helps the viewer in a lot of capacities. It helps keep the monthly pay-per-views more entertaining. And you know we're in October now. You're not able to really even pencil in a single match for Mania. And I think that that's that's great for the fans. Yeah. It is Jinder Mahal, Brock Lesnar. I got to assume Lesnar's going to accept that challenge on Monday Night Raw. Uh, and uh, we'll see what, what goes on from there. I will challenge the fans to do this, though. Embrace the match and see what happens. Uh, you don't have to like, love, or hate gender. You don't have to like, hate, or love Brock Lesnar. But it should be an interesting match. It could be fun. Again, you got the Singh brothers getting thrown around. Think of how far Randy Orton was throwing oh, yeah. them around versus <laughs> how far Brock Lesnar is going to throw them around. And, 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 and that'll be worth it for me. Um, but that is uh, at the Survivor Series, folks. Uh, we are live here Wednesday. Damian Nelson and Matthew Thomas here on the Pro Wrestling Report Primetime Live. want to thank all of you who are watching, uh, listening to us, rather, uh, here on Blog Talk Radio. Again, you can do that. Do that live every Wednesday night, blogtalkradio.com slash PWR. And while we appreciate so many of you downloading the show on podcast form on Apple Podcast or whatever your podcast aggregator is, uh, it really benefits us and keeps the show going if you are able to listen to us live and head on over to blogtalkradio.com slash PWR Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. each and every week. Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock p.m., blogtalkradio.com slash PWR. Matthew, some big news also this week, uh, still more more to talk about here, uh, including TLC, which we'll get to later on. We'll take a look at the big matches that are going to be happening there. We already talked about the Shield a little bit, but we'll get deeper into who we think is going to come out on top in that matchup. Also, uh, stars taking leaves of absences from WWE. A little conversation about Sin Cara, of all people. But before all that, WWE had a little bit of a PR uh, situation just yesterday, I believe it was, where, uh, if I correct me if I get the story wrong here, but WWE's, uh, Triple H's WWE doctor uh, had indicated in an interview uh, that Several WWE stars are on HGH, the human growth hormone, uh, which is not a it is a banned substance under the wellness policy um, and it is banned in other sports. But this is being viewed by some as the new steroid, quote unquote. And in the revelation of stars being on HGH, WWE came out and gave a public statement uh, that's indicated that 7% of their roster, which is an interestingly precise number, <laughs> 7% of their roster are taking HGH, human growth hormones, for therapeutic purposes. Now, here's what we know, and that's a huge admission by WWE, which could lead to some problems down the road as a publicly traded company. But here's what we know. If you have a Legends contract, such as a or not even a Legends contract, if you have a part-time contract, like a Brock Lesnar, like a Triple H, like a Shane McMahon, like even an Undertaker, those contracts are written differently where they are not subject to as much or even any wellness policy testing. So that's probably your 7% right there are the part-timers, which you could argue are the ones who probably are and should be taking enhancement drugs. Is this a problem, Matthew? Is this a, 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 a big story, a no story? Or is this something that we're just sort of getting confirmation of what we knew already? I don't think it's a problem for anybody but the suits and the company. This is strictly only potentially a problem for the public image because it is a publicly traded company. Like you said, you've got to look at WWE in comparison to MLB, to the NFL. This wrestling, what it is, it's it's not giving anyone – well, you could say it's giving a competitive advantage from a visual perspective, uh, but I just I, – I don't think that this is an issue, and it just – it largely stems from – what it looks like to the public. You really saw the big push with the drug testing post the Benoit tragedy. And I don't think that this affects the in-ring product in any capacity. It's more of a PR move. And I think that this will probably, probably fall by the wayside here in the next week or so. And I've always had a little bit of an issue. I understand for 
for you know keeping up appearances they've got a test and you don't want the image of that's the federation where everybody's on gear and this that and the other but at the end of the day it, it is not a competitive sport in the sense that it's giving these guys the ability to hit more home runs or run faster it, it is an in-ring product that the audience is watching as entertainment so i think that's where it's a pro it's more of a problem when you have rampant use in competitive sports like professional baseball or football Re professional wrestling to me it's always been at least in my opinion a non-issue yeah yeah I, I absolutely agree i don't think i mean the, the, who cares i think is is the way i look at it um you know and i think wwe's wellness policy has done some tremendous things for those who have become dependent on drugs, illegal substances, and have needed help. And quite frankly, they don't get enough credit for all that they have done for people who don't even work for them anymore in regards to the wellness policy. But the wellness policy to a degree is only in place as a position to protect the company from allegations of everybody being roided up monsters, which was the case as far as the perception back before the wellness policy because everybody was jacked but now most of the stars in wwe aren't much bigger than a lot of guys walking down the street so i don't see this as an issue uh i i i i, I get your point about the issues in quote-unquote real sports um where you know there is a competitive advantage where the outcomes are not decided prior to anybody even getting in the competition uh but it was surprising though to hear this revelation be made and uh hear a, a doctor for triple h by the way <laughs> say that uh yes there are people on the roster in wwe using human growth hormones so i don't think it's going to go much of anywhere as well uh but we'll keep an eye on it and continue our reporting here if more of that story comes folks we are going to uh, take a brief time out here to pay some bills when we come back We'll be talking about uh, Nia Jax, who's taking a leave of absence from WWE. Um, we're also going to see if anyone out there can find either Waldo or Todd Phillips. And uh, what is uh, going on with Sin Cara over on SmackDown, along with a preview of WWE TLC. The Pro Wrestling Report Primetime Live continues right here in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere, folks. Collar and elbow bouts usually began as a contest of balance. The opening position or stance featured the hand and arm positioning which gave the wrestling style its name. Contestants faced one another, each placing one hand on his adversary's shoulder and gripping his adversary's forearm with his other hand. This establishes the opening box, prevents bull-like rushes or throat grabs, minimizes disadvantages in height or arm's reach, and prevents deft footwork. Here, the champion squares off with the challenger. Each holds the stance until his opponent forces or permits him to break. Welcome back, fans, to the Pro Wrestling Report Primetime uh, Live here on Wednesday night. Damian Nelson joined by Matthew Thomas. I want to thank you for joining us wherever you are all over the world, especially here live on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash PWR. And uh, you can uh, join us each and every week right here Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. This week, uh, we do not have uh, our guests with us due to some schedule conflicts. However, next week, Robbie E. ODB. Al Snow and David Hero, along with the man they call Meathead, will all be joining us uh, here on the Pro Wrestling Report Primetime Live. I think if you if you listen to last week's show, you heard uh, a little bit of a different format, and we're still tweaking that format to make it as enjoyable for all of you each and every week. And uh, we are going to uh, have everybody back on next week uh, where we can uh, present to you a review of TLC, uh, talk about more of Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar, all that next week right here live Wednesday night. 
night on the Pro Wrestling Report primetime. As a matter of fact, next week as well, Matthew, uh, David and I will be fresh off of a live SmackDown event. SmackDown's going to be in Milwaukee on Tuesday night. We're going to be at that show at the BMO Harris Bradley Center, and uh, we'll give you our live event perspective from SmackDown. i got to say this about Raw and SmackDown as of late. I don't know if you've noticed, Matthew, and I don't think... I'm not going to give this more weight than it should get. I think a lot of fans give it more weight than it should get. But WWE, for their televised shows, Mondays and Tuesdays as of late, have not been drawing very much from a live attendance perspective. If you look at the Key Arena last night uh, for SmackDown, there was a, a good degree of that arena not being used. And SmackDown's had those problems for a while, but you're seeing it more and more on Raw on Monday nights too, where people just aren't going anymore. And I think you can make an argument for Raw, but that, and the same argument could apply to SmackDown, is fans have, I think, become smart that they're making a three, maybe four-hour investment when they go to these shows. So Raw, you've got, uh, I think they tape. Uh, what is the the main event show uh, before Raw, and then you got three hours of Raw, then a post Raw main event. That's like four hours, four and a half hours of sitting there on a school night. And same thing with SmackDown. It's only a two hour show, but then you've got the one hour two hundred five live as well. After that, it's quite the investment that you're making as a fan to go to these shows. And I think Matthew, you recently or are going to be going to shows. Yeah, I actually missed. There was a uh, uh, two nights in a row, the Raw and a SmackDown that was here a few weeks ago. I was unable to attend, but uh, that was the, you know I think a problem they're running into a, in a lot of markets where they're trying to do both shows at the same arena. You have people picking one or the other nine times. Out of 10, they're picking Raw over SmackDown. And again, that is, and they're trying to sell tickets to both shows like a super ticket. So you throw, you know, say a four, four and a half hour investment on Raw, three, three and a half on SmackDown. That's seven to eight hours your first two days of the week. So I think that you're exactly right. The time investment you're expecting from the fans. And we're just talking about the time that you're there for live content. This is not factoring in, you know, leaving to go to. To the arena, waiting in traffic, parking, going home afterwards. So you you factor all that in. I mean, you're basically taking half a day either on a Monday or a Tuesday. And we've been hearing for years they're not going away from the three-hour raw because of the ad money. Well, and maybe maybe this is something to take a look at if they start seeing the live event attendants really really suffering. Maybe you get to a point where it's not a bad idea to to pull it back a little bit. Yeah. You know, I got to say, though, this dual city or dual show single city strategy, I think is brilliant because think of how much money they spend um, setting up the arena and on travel between the two towns and all that. So if I were the company, at least from what I would think, knowing what I know, which is not as much as they do, obviously, if I can do a Denver two nights in a row and offer one ticket for both events and then still perhaps even have a single ticket available for, you know, people who can't go to both events. And I look at that versus what revenue I might not make by going to a different city versus the production costs that I'm going to incur and the savings I'm going to have on those production costs. It seems like it would be a win-win. And maybe if they did that, they could bring Pyro back. There you go. And and special <laughs> and special pay-per-view specific sets. I really miss the, the the guys going all out when, you know, they had like a and we see it with TLC and Hell in a Cell, but you know, just the, the no mercies, that type of stuff where they had a very, very specific theme for every pay-per-view. Yeah. And, and you know, like I guess I think that you know, it's been downplayed by WWE, and I get it. You know, they, they made it a thing, and now it's not a thing. Um, but it, it, it has diluted the product in such a way that all the shows look the same. So there's nothing special about any of the shows now because they all look the same. And granted, the content, the action in the ring is what matters. But at the same time... If I'm told that this is a special night, a special event, you know, if it's a special, uh, you know, event on the WWE Network or what have you, then I want it to look special, you know? And it just doesn't. No, absolutely. And that's one thing when you talk about WrestleMania, when people get excited for WrestleMania, so much of the talk and the lead up, especially the day of, is what's the set going to look like? What are they doing with the visuals? And they used to do that to a lesser extent, of course, but still on, you know, your monthly pay-per-views. So that to me was always one of the one of the big deals that really made the pay-per-views feel special. 
Yeah. I got to say one point to be made, though, about doing those two-night shows or those those shows in the same, you know, same city for two nights is they are running uh, house shows for the other brand on Monday nights in a lot of cases. So uh, perhaps from a business sense, it isn't as, you know, clear and evident how beneficial it may or may not be for them. Uh, but uh, something to look forward to. They're, they're, they're uh, not like forward to, but they're doing it in a couple instances. So in Houston, after Survivor Series, you get all three nights, four nights at the Toyota Center there. Uh, they've done this for a number of years in Chicago. They're going to be doing it again um, for Chicago when uh, the December 25th and 26th when the shows come to uh, the Allstate Arena, uh, which I'm not sure if I'll be there um, because just, you know, I've, I've lost a little bit of interest, quite frankly, in going to some of these shows because of the reasons I just mentioned. But be that as it may, we've gone on off on a tangent. It was a good conversation, but it was a bit of a tangent. I uh, want to talk about a couple of news items, and first of which is a question. And I, this this dawned on me because we saw it on uh, Tuesday night on SmackDown. Sin Cara, who got, you know, he was in a matchup, and, and I'm watching this. I'm like, wait a minute. Now that Kalisto's the champion of the cruiserweights, it's made me realize that Sin Cara is not a cruiserweight. <laughs> yep. But isn't he a cruiserweight? Like, clearly? Yep. It's very funny how they, they kind of pick and choose. This was a surprise to me on SmackDown as well, too. So, uh, yeah, it caught me off guard a little bit. Not sure we care, um, but it's just, you know, a question, an interesting uh, perspective of looking at uh, looking at Sankara's place on the card. Speaking of places on the card... Uh, Nia Jax, Nia Jax, who I always get corrected on her saying her name properly, apparently has requested and been granted a leave of absence from WWE. This according to ProWrestlingSheet.com. Nia Jax, not on Raw this past Monday night, apparently had been scheduled to do some uh, video work for the Divas show, Total Divas, and uh, is not going to make those obligations. She has been granted that uh, time off for personal reasons. There had been rumors that she quit the company, similar to the rumors of Nevo having quit last week. Those still have not been confirmed uh, by anybody, yet we haven't seen Neville. Um, and so Nia Jack's gone. There is also discussion. Some some uh, people are reporting that Nia was actually going to be the one who was going to end up in the matchup with Sasha Banks at uh, TLC, and now that is Alicia Fox, who we saw her again this past Monday night. So Nia Jax, she, she's expressed her dissatisfaction with the company a couple of times on social media specifically. Do you think there's more to this story, Matthew, or perhaps it's just a, a badly timed situation where she's got some stuff she needs to deal with that takes her off the road? You know, it's, it's tough to say. She's definitely been in kind of the same spot for quite a while. I mean, it's there have been times where you thought that, Okay, she might be getting a run. And again, Nia Jax is one of those people that had a very, very dominant NXT run. And a lot of these people really, really cool off once they get to the main roster. They don't give the audience, the mainstream audience on the main roster, enough to care about these people. And I don't know what the numbers are, but there's a lot of people that do not watch NXT. So their main, what they see on the main roster on Raw and SmackDown, you're starting from scratch in a lot of cases. And I think with the NXT experiment thus far, there's been a a little bit of neglect on WWE's part for not reintroducing these people once they're on the main roster. And so much of Nia Jax with her being, you know, much more of, uh, she is a monster type of character. And I don't really feel like she's been used in that capacity since she's been on the main roster. So I really feel like she's kind of fallen into that crack where Nakamura's falling, where the Ascension have kind of fallen, where the Vought villains fell. And that's something that they need to be very, very cognizant of when they bring these quote-unquote stars up from NXT, is giving them the star treatment when they reintroduce them to the main roster. I sincerely hope that was not a knock on Aiden English, because <laughs> he's on his way to an endorsement. I am loving Aiden English. And we talked about him in depth last week on the show as well, but I, I yeah, it was it was a knock on the VOD villains as the VOD villains, not on Aiden English. His uh, the the vocal skills, you know what, put him up there in that trio with you, Lillian, and Pat Patterson. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's the quartet of of dreams right there. <laughs> yes, perhaps. Now, you think, hey, do you think these personal issues that Nia Jax is dealing with? 
Do you think perhaps that um, maybe do you think President Trump might call her to offer his <laughs> condolences? Well, she she knew what she signed up for, right? <laughs> you know, I got I, 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 I trying tried my best. We went about forty five minutes without talking politics, but I will say this. I don't care what was said. I don't care what wasn't said. I don't care that he called. I don't care that he didn't call because you come to expect certain things with that man and his character or lack thereof. But the families having to be now made political pawns in this situation is disgusting to me uh, because they've got to relive their loss over and over again on every news channel because of the sensationalistic nature by which it's being covered because of the continued comments by the man who should be doing this in as private a way as possible. And that that's the true disappointment with all of that. Absolutely. And, and what's uh, the scary thing is, you know, a third string manager at Dairy Queen would be able to conduct himself with more compassion, empathy, and a better temperament. <laughs> a third string manager at Dairy Queen. That is fantastic. It's unfortunate. You know, I, I got to wonder about this. It, the Dairy Queens, they still close like sometime after Labor Day? Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Are they really? They, they used to shut down after it, Labor Day. It was a thing in Wisconsin and Illinois. Most of them, because a lot of them were like the yeah, walk up yeah. kind of, you know, soda fountain kind of things. And they would be closed for the winter, which was a great movie with this blonde girl told me she saw once. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a countrywide thing or tell us, to, let me know on Twitter, uh, folks, at Damian Nelson on Twitter. Does your Dairy Queen and its third string manager, does it close during the off season? All right. So now time to talk TLC, Matthew. And that is, of course, this Sunday on the WWE Network. You and Meathead are going to be doing a post show, I understand, right here on Blog Talk Radio Live as well. We are indeed. And I'm trying to uh, get him to get the audio dialed up uh, to play Waterfalls as our intro. But I'm not sure he's going to. Oh! Oh, run into some copyright issues there, so we're still still working on that. Well, why don't you guys just stick to the rivers and streams? <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Um, that live after TLC, it's always a great show. You guys have the opportunity to call in and give your immediate reaction to the show uh, TLC this Sunday right here at Blog Talk Radio as soon as TLC goes off the air on the WWE Network, which hopefully is prior to the three-hour mark. Uh, then you go live with Meathead and Matthew and uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And if you subscribe to us on podcast form as well, that does also automatically hit your podcast feeds. So, TLC, we've got a couple of matches I want to talk about, the first of which is one that I can't even wrap my head around, Matthew, and that is the Demon Finn Balor taking on Sister Abigail. I know it's Halloween, but this is corny on the level of corniness that I didn't think they would do, and I, I, I really am concerned about the damage it could do to the Demon Finn Balor brand coming out of this comedy matchup. Is this where we see Bray Wyatt wrestle in drag? <laughs> Doesn't he? Doesn't is, he have is to? Is that the best we can hope for here? Yeah, this, I, you know, honestly, I hope that this whole deal that we've seen with him over the last few weeks, this is just kind of a red herring and we actually do get a physical uh, Sister Abigail. That to me is best case scenario. Yeah, I'm really, really curious as to, as to what happens here because it's it's not looking good so far. And Bray Wyatt is just he is that he is that constant guy that is so effective, is such a good character, it does such good mic work, but he is the guy that bills all the up and coming talent and he just he never gets the big win and I feel like that's what's going to happen here hopefully they can do something interesting and it doesn't necessarily go the way of the house of horrors or the monsters house of horrors or whatever we had earlier in the year with him and Orton they have really really been been walking a thin thin line between Bray Wyatt, the creepy character, and just outright corniness. And I'm hoping they're able to reel it back in with whichever way they decide to go this Sunday. They got to do something big. They got to do something substantial in this matchup to either end this feud or take this feud to another level because it's done nothing. It will do nothing. I mean, it got us a demon. And Finn Balor's endorsed. I think Finn Balor is still a main event caliber star. And 
again, you know, we, they spent so much time building up this demon character, the demon persona of Finn Balor. And now they put it into what I'm calling a comedy match because it wasn't their intent for it to be comedic, but everything going into it is laughable right now. So coming out of it, they've got to do something memorable to preserve the demon brand, to preserve the Bray Wyatt brand. And I hope that they do that on Sunday. I'm not even sure I can pick a winner in this matchup because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and it's still a bit of a stretch to me with Finn Balor and the demon persona. It's just normally these characters like a Bray Wyatt or an Undertaker, these dark characters, that's the character. You don't have them popping in and out of mild-mannered Clark Kent turning into the demon or Superman or whatever. It's just, it's a very interesting, it's a very different concept. And I, I don't know necessarily what I think of I'm Finn Balor. I'm the demon. I'm the demon. I'm Finn Balor. That's going to take a little bit of, of growing on me. You hate Finn Balor. No, no, I like, I like Finn. <laughs> if David Hero rubbed off on you and you don't I, like Finn Balor because he's I so small. Or are you jealous I of like, I'm jealous of his abs. That's a, a given, but I like Finn Balor as an in-ring technician. I'm still having a hard time figuring out of what to make of the character. And I think the back and forth between two different characters is just leaving me a little bit in the middle on him. Here's the biggest challenge with Finn Balor, and, and this could go down in history as one of the most uh, career-impacting injuries to ever occur. And when he won the Universal Championship and when he blew out his shoulder in that match with Seth Rollins when he won the championship, when he was gone for those six, eight months or whatever, every bit of momentum he had completely stalled. And when he came back, he's still been trying to find his way, and he still hasn't really made the claim of the championship that he never really lost. I don't think we got enough out of that, and it's too late now for that. So I think they missed an opportunity with Balor, and I hope Balor doesn't fall into that. Uh, I, I think I think he's sort of in, in, in holding right now. He, he you know He's circling the airport. Uh, because they know that they can, given the right story and the right plot, they know they can put him in a big money matchup. But the question is, with who? Because who are your other big money players? Finn Balor versus Braun Strowman, it doesn't have uh, as much appeal to me as it may have to some others, because I think the outcome of that match would be obvious. Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns, I guess it could be good. Um, but I, I, the opportunities are few and far between. I think that's a bit of a challenge now within WWE for that reason. But moving along, we've got the Women's Championship on the line as Alexa Bliss defends against Mickey James. I, for one, am happy to see Mickey James getting a championship opportunity at this stage in her career. I think that the reality of the dialogue between the two over the last couple of weeks on Raw, especially this past Monday night on Raw, where Mickey got a little emotional, I think has really made the match uh, taking it to a personal level. And I'm intrigued to see it. I love Bliss. I love James. I think this is going to be a good matchup, but I don't expect to see a new champion. Yeah, I do as well, and I would love to see Mickey James pick up the win here. I think that she most certainly has another title run in her. The thing that's going to prevent me from saying that it's going to happen is just the history of what WWE has been currently doing with the stars they're bringing back. Think the Dudleys. Think what we've seen with the Hardys thus far. I mean, they did have the title run, but as far as a really main event push, like a lot of people were expecting, especially for Matt, we haven't seen it. So the treatment for the people they're bringing back, even former champions like a Mickey James, the history just doesn't speak to a singles title victory, although I still hope to see it happen. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday night. Alexa Bliss and Mickey James, another championship on the line. It is the Cruiserweight Championship as Kalisto will defend against Enzo. Enzo, who's now got uh, some support in the Cruiserweight division. Yeah, it felt very strange not ending Raw this week with a, a Cruiserweight segment for the third or fourth week in, in a row. I didn't know what to, didn't know what to make. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily see Enzo retaining it. Um, I think... Most people have kind of had their their fill of the cruiserweights here the last couple of weeks, and that man that the cruiserweight division is just it's a strange, strange beast because it's kind of its own thing. 
but it's not. You've got your raw segments. And I just, I've been, we've been, Meathead and I have been watching a lot of old Nitro recently for our, our show that we do on Mondays. And it's just, it's so very interesting to look at the dynamic of what worked with the WCW Cruiserweight division versus what they're trying to recapture now with the current uh, WWE incarnation. And I, I think Kalisto retains here, but to be quite honest with you, I'm rather apathetic to this match and the cruiserweight division as a whole right now. Yeah, same here. And, and it, it doesn't hurt that I just can't stand. I just can't stand uh, Enzo. I'm sorry. I mean, I get it. Great character. I, it, it's he's entertaining. I'm not knocking him. I just it's a, it's obnoxious to a level that I can't watch. Because it always seems like it goes seven times longer than it needs to. And I just, I can't. I, I cannot. Especially, as I said last week, when I'm always watching Raw on tape delay on the Central Coast, um, <laughs> I, 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 it's, I, I have to fast forward through Enzo. Thus meaning I'm not as engaged in this story as, as, as I want to be. But I am engaged in trying to figure out and understand how Gentleman Jack Gallagher can wrestle in those shoes. <laughs> hey, you've got... Because last time I saw somebody in a ring in a match with those kinds of shoes on, slid across the ring <laughs> to do a people's elbow. <laughs> that just fantastic yeah. SmackDown match from forever ago between Davey Boy Smith, I think it was, and was it Triple H? It was Triple H, I think, and The Rock was a special guest referee. That was the world famous... Uh, God, I'm realizing now a lot of fans may not even know this. I'm going to throw that up on my Twitter. When uh, The Rock did the famous one... Two. It doesn't matter if the rock counts to three. <laughs> then at several points, he's standing back clapping instead of counting. Just absolute brilliance uh, in, in, in the history books, if you will. I would throw that up on my Twitter, at Damian Nelson on Twitter, so you guys can uh, check that out later. But just fantastic. Uh, but Gentleman Jack Geller, I liked him better as a goofy face. But I like him even better as a sinister heel. You know, my current cross-promotional dream match right now, just simply based on attire, is him going up against uh, Low Key. I don't know if you've seen Low Key recently on Impact, but he's wrestling <laughs> yeah, in a I full have. suit and double shoulder ho- shoulder holster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, let's uh, continue, though, talking about uh, WWE TLC. And the main event matchup is, as we discussed earlier, the Shield reuniting to take on to take on the team of Cesaro, Sheamus, The Miz, Braun Strowman, and Kane. Five on three. I don't think there's been any other stipulations announced for this matchup. Not much could happen between now and Sunday because Raw is behind us unless they want to do some type of social media announcement or whatnot. I don't know what happens in this matchup. Maybe this union that The Miz has created is all going to backfire on them. Maybe their common goal of getting rid of the Shield is not really their common goal. Maybe Kane is a pawn. Maybe Strowman is a pawn. Hell, this is something I didn't even think about, Matthew. What if the Shield and its reformation is actually done uh, to do something one better, and that is to make another star? Maybe, because Curtis Axel, remember what happened to him on Monday on Raw, Maybe, instead of the Miztourage, maybe he becomes the fourth member of the Shield. Maybe Braun Strowman becomes the fourth member of the Shield. Yeah, it's not going to be whatever's going to happen. It's not going to be three guys beating these five guys. That's not going to happen. It's either going to be somebody aligned with the Shield or them turning on Miz relatively early or the shield taking out one or two other members to get put out of commission. So you've got three on three. So it will not be three people defeating five. Somebody's going to get knocked out early or there's going to be a turn at some point. Those are pretty much the only things that I can guarantee at this juncture. I think the shield comes out of it, the victors, just because it's hard to imagine you know, this, unless you saw like an Ambrose or a Reigns turn or something like that, that they would not re, that they would reform to lose. So I think the Shield walks out of this, the victors, but it's, you know, after somebody from the Miz's side comes over or we get someone knocked out of the match fairly, fairly early on. Yeah, I wouldn't expect this to be a non shenanigan matchup. I would expect something to come out of it because really, if you look at this pay per view overall, You've got the Shield reuniting, and that's about it. 
So even coming out of it, something, I guess, more substantial needs to happen within all this um, to make it a worthwhile show. Because if it's just resting on that, that's going to be a long three hours, dude. Absolutely. But they've, they've done a decent job with these non-Big Four pay-per-views recently. So I've, I've got faith in the WWE. There's been there's been sleepers. You're absolutely right. And and I'm not going to knock the show before it happens. But part of the whole uh, purpose of these shows is to talk us into the building, talk us onto the screen. And I'm not sure that's happened aside from the reuniting of the shield. Now, The Miz has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and I like what Cesaro and Sheamus are doing. By the way, uh, the details of Cesaro's injury to his teeth, um, uh, that hurt me this past Monday night. when the, I, I, I thought they had gotten knocked out, not knocked in. Oh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it shows you the toughness of Cesaro, by the way. Um, but, all right, so that's a Sunday WWE TLC. Um, we're going to be watching along with you, and we'll be interacting on Twitter at Damian Nelson, at the Real M Thomas, of course, at David Hero, at the Real Al Snow, at the ODB Bam, at Robbie E Impact, at Linda K Twenty Two, and at WCW Meathead. My God, we got a large broadcast team. It's like we're gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna become national, like uh like uh CNN, and we're gonna Matthew. You're gonna be working from the Denver bureau. Al's going to be working from the Louisville Bureau. Uh, we'll have Dave work from the Grafton, Wisconsin Bureau, <laughs> and Meathead can be our roving. He can be our. He can be our uh, our, our correspondent. Does that Grafton. mean I can fill my office up with like five or six different clocks that are all set to different time zones? <laughs> you absolutely should, and a logo on the wall, uh, Denver Bureau. Um, folks, want to thank you for joining us again. Want to apologize that our guests were not able to join us this week. We will be back at full strength next Wednesday night live here on Blog Talk Radio 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time Al Snow ODB ODB's actually at the uh, what's it called it's a biker rally down in Florida right now um, Rocktoberfest I think it's called um, Al Snow Robbie ODB David Hero Meathead all back with us again next week right here on the Pro Wrestling Report Primetime Live want to ask you all to do us one last favor before we sign off and that is if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts just head on over and give us a true and honest rank and review rating rather and review of the show really helps the show get noticed really helps the show uh get out there and more importantly gives us feedback on your thoughts on the show so i want to thank you all for joining us live thank you matthew and we will see you again next week live right actually no we won't see you again next week how dare me we'll see you live here sunday night right after tlc for the pro wrestling report reaction live talking about tlc and what indeed did go down at that show. Sunday night, 10 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, right here, blogtalkradio.com slash PWR. We'll see you next week, everybody.